Is your savings just sitting there? Well, put it to work. A premium online savings account from PenFed earns way more than the national average, so you can get your savings working on earning you a vacation, or a new kitchen, or that fancy exercise mirror. Apply at PenFed.org savings. Premium online savings account holders must agree to electronic delivery of account opening disclosures and monthly statements. $5 minimum required to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Good morning, listeners. How are you? This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from the beautiful Florida Keys. Well, you rarely get a show where I don't talk about anything but one thing. But today I'm going to talk about one thing. And uh, I was a history major. This show, um, I try to provide some value to you. So if you're not interested in history or, or world relations and stuff like that, I'm not talking about politics. Okay, this is relations, foreign relations. You know, maybe this is a show you want to skip. Uh, before I go, I'd like to wish my friend in Miami a happy birthday. And I hope you have a good day. And we'll be thinking of you. Uh, so, um, we, you watch the news. And I was a history major in college. And since college, I've just been just glued to, you know, since they had uh, news all the time and people say, oh, yeah, I don't hate watching the news channels and stuff like that. Well, that's my pastime. That's my ESPN. Especially when there's something like this. I don't enjoy when bad things happen. I just see reflections of the past. So, over the night, Russia invaded uh, the Ukraine. They started with uh, artillery barrages and missile launches and uh, some attacks with uh, assault helicopters and jets into the Ukraine from three sides. And they were kind of, uh, to put it distinctly, like into clear things. Imagine if your neighbor, you have a house. And your neighbor has uh, next door has a bigger house, and some more people live in the house than live in your house. They have a little fancier, let's say, cars and equipment. But your your house is practically a smaller version than yours. But you're you've you've never really been friendly. You were had a a somewhat close association with this person years before, but it wasn't a happy one, right? And then all of a sudden, your neighbor shows up on your property line with a bunch of people holding bats, crowbars, chains, and they're just standing around your property line. And you ask them, what's up? And they said, oh, we're just hanging out. We're just doing our own hangout and stuff like that. And you're concerned. You said, well, it looks like you're about to do something. And your neighbors, your friendly, most of your neighbors are friendly with you, with you, not your friend. They think you're your next door neighbor who's hanging out near your property line. They think they're, he's a whack job and they think he's aggressive and he's hard to deal with and they try to talk to him. 
and he tells them, I'm not going to do anything, I'm not doing anything, I'm not doing anything. And as more people arrive to assist him from his family, your neighbor, your friendly neighbors pledge support for you and they try to talk to the guy, but the guy doesn't, you know, he never says, he says, it's not a thing, don't worry about it. And your friendly neighbors say, well, listen, we support you. We don't want your. We don't want him to do anything. Uh, show up on your property, do anything. But there's a possibility he's going to do something. So you should do something about it. Well, then you you ask your friends. Well, give me some help, and they give you some help, a little help, but they don't give you the real help you need. Um, they just say, hey, listen, if your neighbor does anything, we're going to react by giving them. Uh, we're going to kick him out of the neighborhood association. We're not going to invite him to any of our parties. We're not going to allow him to do any property improvements or anything like that. We're going to try to make uh, his life difficult without directly confronting your aggressive neighbor. Then all of a sudden, your neighbor starts attacking your house, hitting it with the bat, the crowbar, the chains and all that stuff and you have some some weapons but they don't match up with your neighbors and you don't have the numbers you don't have the weapons and your neighbors doing a number on you right now that's what's happening in the Ukraine and you don't know if the neighbor is going to get inside your house they're actually on your property but you don't know if you can and your neighbor says they want to take you know, they want to get rid of your father and your mother. That's pretty much what they're saying. What about getting rid of the leadership of the Ukraine? Putin's saying. So that's pretty much it boils down to. And what the crazy neighbor says is, well, you're pretty much our same family. But the only problem with the family is the people that are the parents of your family are this. You know, they're, they're not they don't recognize that we're part of the same family. And you say, and you, you, as the thing says, yeah, we we may have been in your family. It was a forced marriage, and you were abusive during that. They were, because in the 1920s, the Ukraine was virtually starved by uh, Stalin. So, here we are. Now, historically, that this is the largest incursion by a country in in Europe since World War II. And people are making comparisons to World War II. But it's more, I'd have to make the comparison more of a hybrid between World War I and World War II because there's nuances to it and things that have changed. Like during World War I, the precursor to World War I was the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. In Sarajevo, he was the uh, Archduke in the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, which was a ally of the German Empire, Kaiser Wilhelm. And they were part of, eventually came to know as the Axis. I don't know if they called it the Axis in World War One. I. I shouldn't say that, but they, they were allies. And the, after the assassination by a Serbian 
anarchist of Franz Ferdinand and his wife, the Russians and Germans and the Austrians started making moves. And back in 1914, when it was occurring, things happened very slowly. It took a long time to move troops forward because they didn't have airlift capabilities or anything like that. The plane just started. So there were, you know, just biplanes and things like that. But you had trains, mainly trains. That's where you move troops with. And it was a slow process. So much like the slow process of what the Russians, when they ringed all of Ukraine with troops. And what happens when you have all those troops there? There's a reason why people brought troops. It's uh, The U.S. said, this looks like the precursor to evasion. And whether I agree with it or not, I agreed with it going to happen. No one would spend all that money moving troops there just to intimidate someone. So it kept building up, building up, and then this week happened, and yesterday happened, with the incursions into Ukraine. Now, comparisons to World War II, World War II started out with, um, there were several other moves. But the big move, like there was the Incorporation the Germans were given the Sudetenland of the Czech Republic. They took back, prior to that, they took back the Rhineland that was taken from them during World War I because they were the aggressors. They were considered the aggressors and they were losers. Uh, so, what happened is Russia and Germany signed a nine aggression pact prior in 1939. It was um, what they did is they put their troops along the Polish border. They set up a kind of like a red flag operation, a fit, a fake thing where they said the Poles were the aggressors and Germany, followed by the Soviet Union, invaded Poland simultaneously. And that was the start of World War II with an ineffectual response from France and Great Britain, not playing lip service to Poland, but really not being able to do much if you don't have your troops in, you know, if you don't have your troops in place, there's nothing you could do during World War II. And the thing about that's changed nowadays is we have instantaneous information. We are seeing right now within hours um, or even with live pictures of the front from the Ukraine as Russia goes in. And Russia's calculating that they'll be able to probably seize key points, military uh, points in Ukraine and be able to maybe seize uh, the government or the leaders. Zelensky, who's the leader of the Ukraine. If, if they get a hold of him, they'll probably put him in prison, maybe, you know, assassinate him. Who knows? But right now you have the Russians attacking and the Ukraine resisting. We don't know how large a resistance they have, but so far you know that there's attack aircraft that have been downed. There's air bases that have been attacked. There's military uh, communications areas that have been attacked. So the real key 
to this is how much damage will the Russia will Russia absorb when uh, or Putin is I don't see him backing down because if he backs down it's going to be considered a defeat and he's the kind of guy he says well and we're going to go all in that's it if he lost this round badly if he lost this move against the Ukraine, then he would be seen uh, as weak and bringing dishonor to Russia. Right now, he has about a 50% approval rating where people in Russia think that Ukraine is the aggressor. Okay? And the media in, in Russia is pretty much controlled by the government. Um, and there's some Americans here that set side with the Russians. I think that's Dishonorable. I'm sorry. And and the Ukraine has a right to exist as a democracy without having their neighbor decide, hey, you're you're traditionally part of Russia, and uh, we disagree with your focus on the West and your ability. And this is what Putin is saying. We believe that NATO is making incursion into our sphere of interest, which is in Eastern Europe. And a slow march since the 1990s, he's um, disappointed at the movement of so many of former satellite countries of the Soviet Union going inside the orbit of uh, the West, which is pretty much manifested by the NATO treaty organ, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization that was set off the of World War II to combat a ever-expanding Soviet Union. And this move is to dissuade Ukraine from ever joining. Now, if his idea, if Putin's idea was to break up NATO and dissuade Eastern Europeans, Eastern European countries from being uh, participating with NATO or joining NATO, he may have an unforeseen effect at drawing those countries in because the U.S. now is rushing troops into other Eastern European countries, such as the Baltic states, Romania, Hungary, Poland. So all these states that border Russia, he's just going to see a tightening of that. Now, the best thing he can have is... Be able. The best thing that can ever happen for him right at this moment is that they can have tremendous military success. They can seize power, kick out, uh, put in a pro-Russian government in Kiev and declare victory and leave. The worst thing that can happen is he loses that they start accumulating losses, huge losses. And it saps Russian power and he gets bogged down in an insurgency throughout all Ukraine. Remember, Ukraine's a, a country of 41 million people. Russia has gotten involved with neighboring countries and things like that, but there were much smaller countries. Ukraine is much bigger, much more organized, a little more advanced. So... He's stuck in between the greatest success or the greatest failure. What's most likely going to happen is 
he's going to there's going to be dire economic sanctions for him possibility of a lot of losses right but not a enhanced russia cuz russia could be considered a pariah among the elite countries which it wants to be considered there's only one country of any significance that supports uh, Russia or gives lukewarm support to him, and that's China. And the reason China's doing that is because they have what they perceive as a breakaway region, which is an island, the island of Taiwan, which existed at the same time as the establishment of the People's Republic. But China says Taiwan's traditionally a part of, of China, Taipei, and that uh, they should not have a separate government and it should not be a separate country. So China has every reason to support Russia's move. Eventually, though, the uh, but China is not ready to do that at this time. So China may step back and give its lukewarm or withdrawal support considering how the family or the family of nations reacts to this aggression. And we see the opening moves today that all markets around the world are down. Oil prices are up. Wheat futures are up. Because Russia and Ukraine are traditionally the breadbasket of Europe and Asia. They produce a lot of wheat. Uh, Russia produces a lot of gas and oil. The U.S. is asking members of the OPEC to... I'm going to pause this. I'm going to see. I'm looking at it. They're showing a Ukrainian defensive position. Right here. I'm going to pause this. I'll be right back. Got to see this. So, as I'm watching it live, the um, a reporter from CNN is at a Russian, um, a Ukrainian military base outside Kiev, the capital of the Ukraine, which is about 40 miles away from the Belarusian border. Uh, and he saw troops moving in outside the military airport. And he goes over to talk to the commander of the troops. And as he's talking to him, he realizes that these aren't Ukrainian troops defending the airport. These are Russian troops seizing the airport. Now, that's an airport about 20 miles from the Ukrainian capital. And the Ukrainians are attesting that there is, uh, they are looking to seize the capital and attempt to, de- uh, they say, decapitate the Ukrainian leadership and put their own leaders in. I don't see that as a viable move by, I mean, this is very interesting. And Biden's going to have to say something at 1230. Now, what Russia is doing right now, other than just attacking, they are put doing a full force on social media, on uh, news. They're sending people and they're saying they're denazifying Ukraine. 
They said since the 90s and since particularly since 2014 during the Orange Revolution where Ukrainians got rid of the pro-Russian leadership and got a more westernized leadership that the Russians are saying since 2014 that they're fascist and that they were uh, being uh, practicing a genocide against Russian speakers in the Ukraine which there's no evidence for that to have happened. No evidence other than things that the Russians have said. So this move, they're saying, is to go in there and to seize. Now, this is what they're saying right now. Not an occupation. Now, if they don't get the leadership and the people of the Ukraine do not accept, if they do end up getting Kiev, which could happen in a matter of, of days, if they they're able to seize some the parliament, the Ukrainian parliament, and things like that. A little a little side note is that one of the uh, ministers in the Ukrainian parliament is uh, God, a former heavyweight boxer, the Klitschko. Klitsch, I think it's Vladimir, Vladimir Klitschko. But th- there were two brothers that were great heavyweights. Uh, they were champions in. Um, heavyweight fighters, but they, one of the brothers became a politician. He's Ukrainian. And I think he's virulently anti-Russian. And a lot of what they're doing is <laughs> this attack they're doing. They're turning a lot of Ukrainians into really rabidly anti-Russian people. And they're turning a lot of these Eastern European countries. So I think this is going to bite them in the ass in general. Uh, I, I think the unforeseen thing was Putin was trying to be the big man in his neck of the woods, trying to dissuade uh, Ukraine from being independent, siding with the West, um, that, that they would be able to reconstitute a pseudo-Soviet Union. And that with the, the former republics. But you have the Baltic states, the Baltic states, Lithuania, Estonia, and Latvia to the north on the Baltic, right next to Poland. And uh, you have Belarus right below it. That is tightly in the Russian orbit. But after that, do you just have some kind of central, you have central Asian states of Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, uh, or I, I don't know the rest of them there, but they're all there. They're all uh, pro-Russian, but that's it. That's it. And and China, which is a big-time friend, but China has to deal with the rest of the world. And with this news, you're showing bombs, and you're showing uh, they're showing a apartment building that's on fire when they say they're not attacking people. There they go. And uh, boy, talk about firefighters. They're going to, firefighters having to fight a fire in a war zone. It's amazing. And, um, but that reporter outside that Ukrainian airbase that came upon those Russian uh, infantry, that is endemic of how fluid the situation is. It's going to change really quickly. You got people hiding in the in the big cities, going into um, their air raid shelters in the big cities. Is normally in the subway. You'll see that, 
and you'll see a lot of movement going on today. And we'll see what kind of resistance that the Ukrainians put on. The uh, president of Ukraine just called for every able-bodied Ukrainian to contact the government. They will supply them with arms, with small arms. I don't think small arms are actually going to be able to do a lot. Uh, It will be able to do stuff against the uh, military, but uh, I mean against the infantry, but it won't do much against tanks and attack helicopters and jets and rockets. But hopefully the javelins that we supplied them, I think they have hundreds of um, javelins. They're they're an anti-tank weapon. Uh, they are put to good use. Hopefully they did not store them in, in centralized location where they could be seized. And then they're setting up uh, tank traps right now. I would have dispersed most of my equipment prior to the attack, and I hope the Ukraine did that. If Ukraine did not do that, then Russia definitely has the know-how to be able to seize their weapons depots. So for now, I know, I just called it, it's uh, a single event. It's kind of important to me. Now they're saying at least 50 people are dead. It's, it's the fog of war, right? You don't know what's going to happen. And it's, it's fluid. And it's not going to be, with everything going on now from three sides, I don't see a cessation of aggression until there is uh, some dramatic turn. And I don't think, I, d- I don't believe that Ukraine is going to, well, I could be, I could end up having an egg on my face, but I don't see them as, as being that easy of a acquiescing to uh, this Russian aggression. I hope not. Because it would not bode well for the rest of Eastern Europe. Now, I mentioned NATO. Once again, if, you, if you're a member of NATO state, the treaty or, uh, organization stipulates in its charter that any attack on any member, any member, let's say Estonia, an attack helicopter goes into Estonia and attacks Estonian troops, that is the same as an attack on, let's say, Rehoboth Beath, Delaware that U.S. is supposed to respond in like as an attack of the homeland. So here, they're showing a bunch of uh, military equipment moving down the highway. They originally were going to attempt to, they were hoping that it would be a colder winter. They were going to move in the fields. Now they're going down the highway. If I were the Ukrainians right now, I would destroy some of the highways, put up blockades. You know, so I think they're, the Russians probably doing some security, advanced security on some of these roads and things like that. You can see they have their cop cards, uh, their police cards directing traffic at the border of uh, the uh, Ukraine on the Russian side. Well, this is it. It's a downer note. He's bartender. But I wanted to denote that, you know what? It's something going on. It could be poignant. It could be a much bigger thing that goes on. I don't think it's going to stop in 24 hours unless they're great. You know, the Russians are very successful and the Ukrainians lay down, which I don't think they will. I think it's going to be interesting. Already we've seen that there's some attack helicopters have been shut, uh, shot down and the Ukrainians have shown pictures of that. So here we go. 
I will talk later and we'll do an update tomorrow on, on tomorrow's show. Have a great day. Ukraine, stay strong. Uh, I don't know what else to do I, uh, other than do this. So this, I dedicate this show to the Ukraine and I hope there's a bunch of other podcasters that are doing it because there's going to be a, a shitload, a shitload of Russian disinformation going on there. And there'll be American apologists that are saying Russia has every right to do this. Russia has every right to do this. Like there were people that were apologists for Germany in World War II when they were taking over countries and stuff like that. It's only till later that they found out how horrific they treated people. And uh, we do know the Russians have a, uh, a disdain or uh, care very little for uh, civilian losses. So thank you very much. Have a great day.